Welcome to the Perry Ritchie Group Podcast, bringing our communities the latest in wealth strategies, ideas, and updates on the capital market to keep you informed and confident. Listen in on conversations with our advisors and industry leaders around the country who are changing the landscape of their businesses. This is the Perry Ritchie Group Podcast. Today is Tuesday, September 12th, and you are listening to the Perry Ritchie Group Advisor Roundtable Discussion for September. How's everybody doing today? We've got Andrew Boyles, Josh Marson, Claire Wilson, and myself, Drew Ritchie, in our podcast recording studio here in Bowling Green, Kentucky today. Uh, and we've got a, a good discussion teed up. We've got a lot of events to talk about, some events to talk about. We've got a Federal Reserve update coming next week. Inflation reports coming out tomorrow, um, as well as our DC market update and some planning items that we're going to discuss. How's everybody doing today? Good. Thanks Good, for having Good. us, Drew. Claire, welcome back to the studio. It's been quite a while since we recorded together. It's Good it to have you back. Yeah. Good Claire's, to be back. Claire's sitting beside me right now. Like, what are you going to ask me about? What are we going to? What are we going to get on? On to. I want to ver- first start uh, by talking about the Strategus Capital Market Outlook event that we're hosting. Uh, Andrew, can you tell us when it's going to be? What is, what's Strategus? What's a capital market outlook event? What are we doing for our clients next month? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I just realized I have the time written down here, but not the date. So is it October, October 17th? 17th? Okay. October 17th. On a Tuesday. On a Tuesday. I should have come better prepared. Uh, Tuesday. Hey, the reason I pitched it to you is because I didn't have it written down at all. <laughs> So I've got it. I'm glad Claire's here. here. All right. Okay. Strategus Tuesday, October 17th, Don Rissmiller, who is the, who's a partner and the chief economist for Strategus is going to be joining us here in Bowling Green at the Nicely Conference Center. So we're going to have a uh, reception from 1130 to, to 12, um, let folks get settled in. And then at 12, from 12 to one, there's going to be a lunch and a presentation um, from Don. So he's going to give us an update just, um, again, where we stand um, from an economic standpoint. Last year, we had a presentation that was uh, more in the political realm with the midterm elections. So this is going to be more a- around just the state of the U.S. economy and what we can look forward to. Last year with Courtney Eisenberger, also a strategist, we asked some market-specific questions and she said, you know, I'm really more on the D.C. political side, what's happening there. Um so this is specific to market economic outlook. A lot of our clients know that we had a capital market outlook luncheon every quarter on the quarter for over 10 years. COVID, uh, of course, stopped that in its tracks. And post-COVID, we said, you know, that's good information. People need it more regularly. So we tried to start getting out newsletters and commentary and these podcasts on a regular basis with that same information. But you know what? People still like to come to a to a lunch event. They like to see people, and it's a great chance to kind of have a live event and ask questions. So, uh, please RSVP to that if you live kind of in proximity to Bowling Green, Kentucky, and you can come on Tuesday, October seventeenth. Uh, it is going to be a joint event with the um, the other Baird Private Wealth Office in Bowling Green. So it should be uh, you know standing room only in a huge room. Uh, that's maybe optimistic, but we are expecting a big turnout mm-hmm. for it. And it's going to be a nice lunch too. So, yeah. Um, as far as that goes, let's kind of just go ahead and dig into kind of some of the things that are going to be happening between now and October 17th. 
inflation, interest rates, Federal Reserve has been a primary topic um, really since the beginning of 2022. We saw inflation peak in June of 2022, decline every month until last month. Andrew, what happened last month with the, with the inflation reports? Yeah, last month we saw um, headline inflation, uh, which is the, the main number that gets reported. Um, it jumped up to 3.2, I believe it was 3.1 um, the month prior. So we saw a small increase and we we're actually, as we we're recording this tomorrow, uh, September 13th is the day that we're going to hear about the inflation reading for August. Um, kind of funny. By the time people hear this, it, yeah. they're all, the report's going to already be out, so they're going to they're going to get to hear us speculate on whether we were right or not, and then they're going to know by the time they hear it. So uh, good for us. We should have planned that better. <laughs> but um, yeah, w- would you just a refresher? Head, there's two types of inflation that are recorded. We, we talk about this stuff all the time because it's confusing for us, you know, like mm-hmm. why do they have two types? And um, the truth is, is that one's much more volatile than the other, the one that includes food and energy. So is headline the one that subtracts out some things or it's all inclusive basket? Headline is, is an all inclusive basket. So when they're looking at the, the price increases of goods and services, everything is captured inside of the headline. Core CPI or core inflation uh, excludes food and energy. So food and energy prices can tend to be more volatile. And so they subtract those out. I would tend to think that food and energy are the two things that we use more than probably most. I think the stats are, and again, uh, we, we try not to say specific things here because compliance is listening always, but the statistics are that something like 40% of the average household budget goes to food and energy. Right. So those are certainly more volatile and can move those inflation numbers more, but it's probably a more accurate picture of, uh, I'm sorry, headline is because it does include those those prices. So we are expecting, uh, and I say we, the, the the general sense is that tomorrow we... You and Josh are expecting. No. Well, Andrew. Andrew. Okay. No. This is not our personal opinion. Okay. <laughs> the, the consensus in, in the reports that are coming out is that tomorrow... We're, we're going to see inflation likely around 3.6, so another increase. Um, again, that's speculation. We'll, we'll see what actually comes out tomorrow, but that's largely due to energy prices um, getting raised a little bit more. And and you said this earlier. I'm not sure you've said it on, on the recording yet, but likely that headline will go down while core goes up because we've seen energy increases, right? The op- opposite. So, yeah, headline would go up because it includes energy. Okay, okay. And Thank you. Um, Sorry. core is expected to actually decrease some because energy is not factored into that. How much should we worry about that? Energy is always volatile, right? We see energy prices go kind of ebb and flow when things are fine everywhere else. When inflation's, you know, 2%, energy mm-hmm. still fluctuates. So how concerned do you think the Federal Reserve will be when they meet next week to decide, are we going to raise again just over over that? I would compare it to, again, I'm not an economist, financial advisor, but I, I would say that we, we look at, and on this podcast, we'll even talk about inflation month to month as we are trying to keep up with it. But it's similar as well to investment returns where um, we can look at month to month returns, but we try not to get too caught up in that. We try to look at the bigger picture and how things are trending over longer time periods. And I think that's 
part of what the Federal Reserve is looking at as well is they're they're looking at the month to month, but I think they're also looking at it over longer time periods. So let's talk about the Federal Reserve for a second. Josh, chime in if you you've got anything. Sure. I can see you over there, like just ready to ready to go with 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 your stats. Um, the Federal Reserve raised interest rates in 2022 seven times, right? And I think we've had a total of ten increases. Is that give or take? That's about where we're that's at, right? right? Yeah. We went from effectively zero um, to a range now of five and a quarter to five and a half. If we see an increase next week, and I think they've said they reserve the right to, right, not making any promises or some kind of real cryptic language like that. that wait, they, wait and see. Wait and see. They love that kind of stuff. Uh, what if they raise? What type of raise are we looking at? Are we looking at a half a point, a full point? What What is that? Well, once again, none of us in the room are economists. Um, we're all financial planners, but. The consensus right now and the common sense would dictate most likely a quarter percent increase. I think we're well beyond the full 100-point increases, half-percent increases. I think they'd be maintenance increases if we get one. Um, but at the same point in time, there's you can – depending on what you look at or what you read, you know, there's, there's a lot of um, once again, predictions coming out that they could very well come out with language that says um, we're going to pause for now. You, you'll most likely hear we're going to continue to be data dependent, um, which is good, but you could hear them say, Hey, we're going to, we, uh, we hold the right to, to increase if we want, but we're going to pause for the next 60 days. So, But it's not going to be a big increase, I wouldn't suspect. It's interesting to point out that they they control um, the, the Fed funds rate. So the Federal Reserve doesn't set all interest rates in the country, mortgages and all that. But the Fed funds rate, it tends to have a trickle-down effect, certainly, on all rates. We've seen them all go up. Um, when was the last time they raised? Was it May? Sometime in the spring. Uh, I'd have to double check that. It's been a few months, right? We've seen variable rates come down in in some instances, right? Like even some money market rates, some, you know, variable uh, lines of credit have have ticked down. Maybe not significantly and maybe not across the board, but rates have backed off a little from where they peaked at in the summer. And I think that's worth pointing out that, um, you know, if we do see it, it's going to be, minimal a quarter of a point most likely it's what they're saying and um that's somewhat symbolic i would say because if we if we went from zero to five and a quarter five and a half range 10 rate increases is a quarter of a point really significant or is it more symbolic that if we're having going to have inflation we're going to do what it takes and uh there's the potential that flip a coin. The market could react positively to that or negatively. But I think there's a lot of positivity in that because we know inflation is, they would say, the number one enemy of a growing economy, right? we got to yeah. control inflation. So if we see they're, they're uh, going to do whatever it takes, I think that's positive long-term anyway. Mm-hmm. I think for our, the last thing I'd say about the Fed in general is for our viewers to understand, um, Powell made this comment a couple weeks ago. Um, and he, I believe those Powell's were one of his regional, um, chiefs that said, we're navigating the economy 
by the stars, but it's cloudy skies. So like their job is very difficult. They can't see into the future. They can't, they can't see some of the underpinnings of the economy because certain things are lagging. So it's, it's this moving animal. Um, and it, it's not precisely, you know, accurate. So they're, they're doing the best they can. I think they're doing a great job, but they are navigating via the stars, but the, the skies are cloudy. So yeah, that's a great analogy. My, my degree was in economics. I'm, as you all said, not an economist. I'm not sure what you have to do to call yourself an economist, <laughs> but um, it's like, it's like forecasting the weather, right? You can be wrong all the time and Nobody acts. Nobody cares. You just keep going. Just keep trying to predict. What's just percentage happen. probabilities of it's going to rain. Exactly. Like, yeah. Maybe so. Maybe yeah. not. Andrew, there's other things to talk about in DC besides the Federal Reserve, um, or within government, I should say, besides the Federal Reserve. Um, what What else is happening in Washington that our listeners should should be up to date on? Yeah. So we, as we record this, it's September 12th. So the government operates. Most of us operate on a calendar year. You do your taxes for calendar year. Government and some businesses, they operate on what we call a fiscal year. And that just means that their year ends at a different point in time. And so the government fiscal year ends September 30th. So in a couple of weeks from now. And there's still some pending legislation around uh, the budgets for the following year. And if those pieces of legislation are still pending and not finalized before the end of the year, um, we could experience um, what's known as a government shutdown. And and that could get uh, talked about in the news uh, the closer we get to that point in time. And, and all that really means is that um, the government shuts down until they finalize those bills and, and get that spending allocated for the following year. Um, but I think the main thing we want to express to our clients is if you hear about a government shutdown, that does not mean that your Social Security or Medicare benefits will stop. Those are uh, more fixed expenses in, in their budget, um, and so those would continue to be be paid. Uh, it's other discretionary spending items that they have in the budget that would cease until they get that finalized. So um, may happen, may not happen. We're still several weeks out, so don't want to spend too much time on it, but something that you may hear about in the coming weeks. Interesting. A- Andrew does such a good job of keeping our whole team abreast of those um, those types of items. I appreciate that a lot, Andrew. I want to give a little plug. Andrew, two weeks ago, did a social security seminar here at our, our, at our office that was at, a, at full capacity. And um, I attended the seminar myself and I learned a few things. Uh, and most of it I had heard and, and knew and understood, but around the solvency of the system, Social Security is a big topic, right? Like, how is that system going to continue for another 50 years? We all know it's underfunded. So Andrew recorded that in a podcast version. I think it is maybe two, one or two episodes below this one, kind of in the, if you're looking up our podcast. Yeah. We, we did one that was a little more simplified, high level. It's three things you should know about Social Security. That's about 20 minutes, just hits on a couple of the high points. And then we have a recording available of that same social security presentation. It's not me actually presenting it to a colleague of ours at Baird um, that's put together, but it's about an hour in length and goes into uh, great detail around all, all things social security. So we have a recording of that if you're interested. Not necessarily just for people trying to figure out how they're going to handle it themselves. Just, you know, maybe if you're a little nerdy and just want to know more about the system. I, I learned a lot. I thought it was great. 
Um, Claire, looking yes. at you. All right. We've got some planning topics uh, as well as some other things from D.C. Uh, impacting student loan forgiveness and that type of thing. Let's talk about that a little bit. Okay. Yeah, so um, student loan um, forgiveness has been a hot topic over the past year. Um, but we have finally reached the point where we're going to have to start repaying student loans. So, um, and this question has come up from our clients a lot um, in the past couple of weeks. They've gotten the notice. Um, their bill is going to be due in October and the interest is starting to accrue. So um, beginning September 1st, interest began accruing on their payments. You know, from COVID, there was a pause on owing anything on your student loans and there was a pause on interest accruing. So that has... Um, come into effect once again. So if you have questions about it, feel free to reach out to us and we can talk through what what might be the best plan for you, um, depending on your interest rate, whether it's good to go ahead and just start paying those off. Um, maybe if we need to do some investing or planning uh, scenarios around that. So that's really the the main points there around student loan repayment. A lot of our listeners are, are well, well, let me let me rephrase. Most of our listeners don't have student loan debt, but they know someone that does, right? Sure, the yeah. Kids, grandkids. We were told at some point in the past year to two years that they weren't going to have to be repaid at all, right? Mm -hmm. So what do you what do you think's likely to happen with those folks that thought they were, you know, maybe kind of hit the jackpot just a little bit and not going to have to repay a loan? Like, you know, that doesn't sound like a very good idea, even when you say it out loud. Um what do you think, how's that going to work out for folks that have now potentially rebudgeted, right? Like I'm not going to have to pay that back anymore. So they are now spending extra and now that's, now they're going to have to reverse course on it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I think a lot of uh, people that we worked with that maybe had student loans were very hopeful. Um, and it was far-fetched. I mean, I remember us talking about it on a podcast of her, our student loans going to be forgiven and what should we do? How do we qualify for that? Um, well, I think first thing that you should do if that's if that's impacting you is, you know, reach out to your financial advisor, look, revisit your budget and figure out how you need to, um, you know, input that payment back into your budget. So um, it's not going away. There are other options. If your income is a, at a certain level, you are eligible for um, income driven repayment plans that you could qualify for that could reduce your monthly payment or um, you could have a pause on your interest accrual for a period of time. But eventually, um, we are speculating that you're going to have to repay it all back. I tell a lot of people in in my review meetings, and I've heard you guys say it too, when we talk about unemployment being at a 50-year low, has a little bit of a uh, – one of the consequences of that means that businesses are having to pay more. Everyone that wants to work is working, and it can contribute to inflation. And I think this has <clears throat> potentially, again, speculating, this is the round table. This is like what we all talk about when nobody's listening. Potentially, um, the student loan forgiveness contributed to some inflation. It's additional spending that wasn't going to debt reduction that, you know, these younger folks that had that are now just spending extra money. Mm -hmm. So maybe, maybe it will have the impact of helping reduce some of that, you know, consumer spending a little bit, which contributes greatly to inflation. It's yeah. a, it's a, a positive way of looking at it. Anyway. Yeah, that is a very positive way. Just over the past years, I mean, between stimulus checks and um, low interest rates and pauses on your student loans, that did have a huge impact on inflation. So a lot of money circulating out there. So Right, right. Um, 
Andrew, talking about the planning topics in the end of 21, um, Secure 2.0 came out. Secure Act is uh, was an act with a lot of sweeping changes to the retirement plan or retirement savings industry. The biggest change that we had since the 70s when retirement plan legislation first came to came to be um, in 21, they revamped it and instituted a lot of great rules to make plans more attractive for employees. I think now they've seen that some of these have to also be implemented with record keepers, with technology, with how we track them. So they've kind of pushed some of those changes down the road just a little bit. Can you talk about what's what what our clients would need to know on that? Yeah, the I th- would say the biggest one that is going to affect our clients is if you are a participant in a 401k plan and or a high income earner and for the purposes of this we're going to define that as your income being over $145,000. So if your income is over 145,000 and you're over 50 uh, beginning next year in 2024, you're going to have to make your catch-up contributions to your 401k in the form of a Roth. So if you're not familiar with that concept, with your 401k, everybody, regardless of your age, um, can contribute a base amount. For this year in 2023, that is $22,500. If you're over 50, you can contribute what's called a catch-up. And I like to joke that you turn 50 and the government allows you to save more money. Um, but if you're over 50, then you could defer another $7,500. So if you're over 50, that's a total of 30000 So the original plan was that beginning next year, that extra 7500 you could still save, but it would be in a Roth format where you don't get the extra tax deduction for it in that year. And so they have still a benefit, still a benefit. You get to save it. It's tax exempt. And if you were making that money, you wouldn't have the ability to do it outside of the plan. So it's still a great benefit. Yep. 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 Not the worst thing in the world. Just, just, uh, just to change something different. And they have deferred that entire um, provision for a few more years until 2026. So if you fit that category, if you're over 50, you're a high income earner, over $145,000 a year, you can continue to make that catch-up contribution and get a tax deduction for it for 2024 and 2025. And then in 26 is when that's set to, to change. Unless something changes again that Ooh, time period. Yeah, there you go. You Spe- never know. Speaking of that, Claire and I were talking about the Kentucky state tax. The Kentucky state income tax has been declining, going to zero over about an eight to nine year period. Um, but they're hitting the pause button on that for a little while. What's the for update for now? Yeah. So um, as an incentive to increase um, economic growth here in the state of Kentucky, if you're a listener here. So we are starting to decrease our state income tax um, it was originally 5%. Um, this year in 2023, it was reduced to 4.5%. 2024, it's moving to 4 Um, If you're in the state of Kentucky, you'll start to see um, sales tax added to other services that you might not have seen before, um, and we might see an increase in sales tax in the future. Um, that's part of their plan, but they're trying to incentivize economic growth here by reducing that. But yes, they recently, um, the plan was to reduce it by half a percent each year over the next several years. 
Um, but to do that, they do have to hit certain budget requirements and they didn't do that this past um, few weeks. So they're hitting the pause for 2025. Um, but they could, there could be some workarounds where they do put it back into effect. So if you do um, see some news circulating about that for 2024, they are moving forward with reducing it to 4%. 2025, there is a little bit of a pause for now. Unless something changes. Unless something changes. <laughs> right. And it's the government. Yeah. Uh, we're getting a little long today, but there's a lot to cover. Josh, we can't have an advisor roundtable without talking about the markets. Uh, give us give us the returns. Year to date, since, since 22, what's happening? How much recovery have we seen? Because we have a lot of client reviews every single week. When people look at their portfolios, I think the perception is the markets have recovered a lot. Right. And some people, when they see their portfolio, they may say, huh, I, doesn't seem like I've recovered quite as much as air quotes, the markets. What do you think? Yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Last year across the board was a tough year. It, it didn't matter where you were at. You weren't safe. Uh, equities were down, you know, 18. And then conversely, bonds were, they, they were a detriment. Uh, they were down somewhere around 14. So, you know, the only year since 1970 that stocks and bonds were both negative in the same year. The worst year for the bond market in recorded history was last year. 1926 is when they would have, quote unquote, started recording history. Yeah. Uh, some could argue history started before that. But in any case, um, so then we get to this year, people, um, you know, had a, had a bad year. I mean, it was an ugly year last year. So then we start off this year, the markets, um, begin to move in the direction we want them to. Uh, I tell clients in meetings almost every day, you know, at the beginning of each year, you, uh, whether it be me or Andrew specifically, we listen to, uh, market calls, whether it's from a lot of our largest partners, very intelligent financial firms that are in the know. And you did not hear one person say, Oh, it's going to be, you know, the S&P is going to be up uh, nearly 20% in September. Growth companies are going to be up pushing 30%. Value companies are not going to do well. You didn't hear any of that. It was, we need to be extremely cautious. Um, you know, fixed income is looking more attractive. And then guess what happens? Just what I just spoke about. Growth companies, if there's AI connected to them whatsoever, they're up pushing 30%. Value companies have lagged behind. Uh, significantly. Significantly. Lagged. Like 30% to growth and 5% to value. That's a big number. And when we talk about our average investor, maybe even say the average retirement investor is probably – very balanced between growth and value. And we have a lot of clients, some, some specific strategies that you manage that focus on value, dividend paying sure. or stability, right? Um, more income oriented. So when we look at, you know, it's up 30%. Andrew and I were talking about this actually last week, uh, those top 10 companies, right? If you take out the top 10 what, and, and help me on the stats, but if you take out the top 10, of the S&P 500, the return is about two-thirds less, right? I mean, about two-thirds of the returns 
have come from 10 companies in the S&P 500. Which ironically are, you could argue, are growth companies. Sure. Or tech. Growth, tech, call them a lot of different things. Right. right. So that extrapolates the people getting their statements out and them not being up as much as they think, right? I mean, we have, I would say most of our clients likely own those companies in their diversified portfolios, but but most of our clients have hundreds of investments, right? Sure. Not concentrated in just a small number. Right. So that equates to maybe a little frustration with the recovery. I don't feel like I'm participating in it as much as I ought to be. Um, the way I think of that and the way I would suggest that people think of that is that there's 490 companies that have a lot of room to grow still, right? So when we talk about um, the sheet I've got in front of me that Andrew uh, has helped us put out says that the S&P 500 at the end of sep- at the end of August, September 1st, was only 6% off of its record high close in January of 2022. Okay, so we've recovered the S&P 500, most of that, um, but there's still a lot of upside potential there. There is, and, and you guys have been in meetings with me before, and I talk with clients about this, but for our listeners, there, there's something else that people forget about real quick, is that you know, your typical investor, it's retired somewhere around 60% stock, 40% bonds. Well, when you watch the news or read the news or however you digest information, they're typically talking about equity markets, stock markets, whether that's U.S., international, whatever it may be. You've most likely never heard a reporter say, today in the bond market, well, the bond market's the largest financial market in the world, but it's not reported on a daily basis. Well, then we go back to a 60-40 portfolio, 40% of your money, you really don't pay attention to, nobody reports on it, you really don't even know what's happening there. And I say all that because if you look at the bond market year to date this year, so the Barclays Ag, which is an index, is up a half percent. So then when you look at your 60-40 portfolio and you think, well, geez, I'm not doing as good as the market that I watch on the news every night. Well, it's because 40% of your portfolio is could very well be up a half a percent. And and, and how much was it down last year? 14. Yeah. Roughly. Roughly. Yeah. So it, I've never heard it put that way that, yeah. you know, when you think about it, most of our clients have, I will not say half, but significant assets there sure, and it never gets talked about or thought or even more importantly, you don't ever think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a great point. Thanks for, thanks for that. Um, anything else guys, anything last chance you guys got important things to say. I know I do want to say one thing and I'll say it really quick. Um, next week on September 20th, um, we are hosting a webinar and we can send this um, to you via email. If you're interested, just reach out to us, but it's about Medicare open enrollment, which is, October 15th through December 7th. So that's quickly approaching. Um, it's just about the Medicare open enrollment process um, and any um, coverage that you might need. They're willing to talk to you about that. So um, we can send that out to you if you want the link. All right. I was going to make a suggestion, like Andrew said, of the government has a fiscal year end. What if we had a fiscal week end where our week ended on Thursday or something like that? Mm-hmm. Be- just to complicate everything even more. Right. Then you yes. have to start your work week on Sunday. Well, you know, we can do that, maybe. Three-day weekend. 
<laughs> yeah, when we moved to Europe. Um, all right. Well, hey, uh, it's been a little over our normal time. We hope the information was helpful to everyone. But, hey, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to unpack. And we know if you're feeling worried, uncertain, frustrated, insecure, uh, or emotional about the markets, you're not the only one. And that's what we're here for, to try to unpack some of this, bring light, bring a different perspective to you know what all this data means. Because um, without that, we're all just kind of left to interpret it ourselves and, uh, um, you know, worry about how that's going to impact us. So if you are worried, uh, please give us a call. That's what we're here for. We want to talk to each and every one of our clients. Uh, we're here advocating for you today. Uh, we hope to see you at our Strategus event, and we look forward to speaking with you on the October Advisor Roundtable when some of this plays out and we see where we're at a month from now. Thank you very much for listening. Signing off. This podcast is intended for information and educational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or instrument or to participate in any particular trading strategy. The information is considered to be from reliable resources, but its accuracy is not guaranteed. The opinions expressed are those of the show's host and guest and are not necessarily those of Robert W. Baird & Company, Inc. Baird does not offer tax or legal advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered by Robert W. Baird & Company, Inc., a registered broker, dealer, and investment advisor member, member FINRA and SIPC. Robert W. Baird & Company, Incorporated.